Welcome to the Meal Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. This is our eighth episode in the co-pilot series where we come together to chat about making the plant-based lifestyle more doable, especially while facing the common challenges and roadblocks a lot of us face on our journey to better health and weight loss. Today's guest is a longtime meal plan member with an incredible transformation story. After years of struggling with her weight and being unhappy with her overall health, she decided to make some changes and lost 150 pounds. She's also a single mom and she works with kids, so we'll be chatting a lot about parenting and kiddos. Plus, we'll touch a little bit on fad diets and overeating. So please join me in welcoming Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah. So for those of you who maybe know Rebecca, she was a Herbie of the Week, and you can read her full story on happyherbivore.com. Just look for Rebecca A. But uh, why don't you start off by telling us about sort of your journey so we know a little more about you and um, how you lost 150 pounds. Oh, gosh. Gosh, gosh, gosh. Um, You know, it, it has been quite the journey. I was always overweight, even as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually joined Weight Watchers at the age of, I, I believe, ten. They let sh- I had no idea they even let kids join Weight Watchers. They 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 did, and because my my dad was doing Weight Watchers, so he's like, well, you you're concerned about your weight, so why don't you come with me? And and so I joined for a little bit and did the weigh-ins, and and that just got me thinking about how I don't know how careful I should be about my weight, mm-hmm. even at an early age. So it kind of probably didn't get me thinking in the healthiest of ways. Um. And so anyway, I'd just been struggling with my weight pretty much most of my life. So then fast forward, fast forward to um, me getting pregnant with with my son. And I was already overweight to begin with. And I gained a ton more weight because people kept saying, eat, eat, eat. And I work at a school, so people kept feeding me all this great fatty food. And I just put on the weight. And after my son was born, people said, well, don't diet because you're nursing and the weight will just come right off. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep <laughs> Yeah, I hear that all the time. And then I hear from a lot of people that's not true. <laughs> yeah, so I kept eating. And, and so the weight didn't come off. It pretty much stayed um, at the high, high 200s, I believe 275. And, you know, my body was going through all sorts of changes and my body just ached. My joints ached. I couldn't get around as as fast as I used to. Which is not good with a little baby. I know. It was really, really difficult. So, you know, I put some things into place that I I learned from Weight Watchers way back when. And so I lost a little bit of weight, but not a lot. Um, And it was just a gradual process of learning what my body needed. So I started cutting out dairy. Um, So no more yogurt, no more just buying cheese for sandwiches. Um, the only thing that was my big downfall was was pizza night. <laughs> and every time I ate the pizza, I regretted it. Um, but anyway, I excluded dairy and then land animals. I still eat seafood. And it was about actually four years at this point that my, my stepmom at Christmas gave me um, everyday happy herbivore. And she's like, well, you were kind of headed in this direction anyway, it seemed like. So why don't you just try it? And I love the cookbook because it made things so simple. Yay! <laughs> and, and then, gosh, I probably only had um, Everyday Happier Before for a couple weeks before. Then I got the first Happier Before and just started implementing it. 
and the the rest of the weight just pretty much came off really fast and I wasn't really watching what I ate I was just eating kind of the happy herbivore way and also at the same time looking into more resources about health mm-hmm. everything just clicked it just made sense um and with losing all that weight w- was just interesting and I've been maintaining it pretty well um is you know growing up I've never been the size that I am now. I've never been active. I never liked exercise. It was a chore. And now I love going on walks. I love doing yoga. I love doing some, you know, little weight work here and there. And on your hurry of the week, we actually, on your blog post, we have a picture of you standing with your original pants, which is really dramatic. But one of the pictures in the post that I love is you actually doing yoga and you can really see just how healthy and fit you are. It's just the most beautiful picture of you doing yoga. And you can just see that you're so happy to be doing yoga. And it's hard for me to believe you were ever this woman who couldn't do something like that. Yeah. And I just am so excited to it sounds corny, be alive Mm -hmm. because my body just works. My, my digestive system works. Um, my fitness level feels great and I just feel really optimistic. And before I really went completely herbivore, um, I was kind of sad. I I had some issues a little bit with depression here and there too. And I just don't have any of that anymore. Right. And I hear that a lot with a lot of clients and a lot of meal plan members is they say they feel like a fog lifted or they didn't realize that they were kind of gloomy or maybe a little sad or a lot, a lot sad. They were really depressed and then they're not anymore. And I've struggled with depression on and off. And I definitely think that, um, eating clean, like you said, eating healthy, being a herbivore really helps you. And it's true because, you know, everything you eat, it it can affect the hormones in your body, which can affect depression. So it makes sense. Yeah, the, the gloom, that's a really good word. Like the gloom is lifted, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing that people say. I didn't realize I was in a mental fog or I was just kind of like down. And there's been a lot of interesting research coming out too with like animals, you know, they know they're going to die. And so they're really stressed and freaked out. Like think about how we would feel. We would have all that, you know, those hormones coursing through our veins. Well, I, you can't really cook that off. And so there's been a lot of interesting research coming out about how even that can affect, you know, our feelings, whether it be anger or depression or you know, general sadness. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And one thing you said was when you were pregnant, everyone was telling you to eat and was like just feeding you constantly. And that's something I've noticed with a lot of people who are pregnant and they'll email me is, you know, their family is like, why you need to eat ho-hos. Like they're trying to get them to eat junk food when they're pregnant. It's like, well, they didn't eat this before they were pregnant. And they're like, oh, but you're pregnant. You should really be rewarding yourself, treating yourself. And I, I've known a lot of people who sort of treat their pregnancy as an all-you-can-eat buffet and they, you know, maybe don't eat the most healthy things or going to McDonald's. And my one friend told me every day of her pregnancy, she went to McDonald's for their apple pie and their strawberry milkshake. And I, for me, and I haven't been pregnant, but I feel like I would want to be eating even healthier than normal for my new baby. But it seems like society wants you to eat garbage when you're pregnant. And you that was your experience. Yeah, I mean, it was a variety. There was plenty more pizza nights um, and fast food. But then, you know, some of the nice teachers at my school would bring me uh, samosas. And so not not your really healthy baked potato samosas, but, you know, fried samosas. Yeah, like the deep fried pastry kind of thing. Uh-huh. And so there, there are a lot of those, too, which are, are healthier than a Big Mac, but they're just really very caloric. Right. And, and that's yeah. something, too, I appreciate from your 
books is I didn't realize how weighed down I was by all the oil in my diet. Right. Mm-hmm. And getting that out has been instrumental as well, very much so. So even if I go out to eat and I forget to get something low oil or ask for it, I mean, I know it. I, I know it and now I'm like, oh, there must have been a lot of oil in that dish. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I ordered something last night and I must have said no oil like 10 times. And I think that they still drizzled a little bit on because within two bites, my mouth was really greasy and I felt like I had put too much chapstick on my mouth, except I knew I hadn't put chapstick on my mouth. And so then I went to blot my mouth with my napkin and I could see the oil. And -hmm. then I was like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to send it back. I'm just not going to eat this because it clearly has oil on it. No big deal, whatever it happens. And even though I hadn't had very much about a half an hour after dinner, I could feel my stomach like uh, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's shocking. Like you said, I never realized how much better I felt when I removed it until I would, like you said, at a restaurant or something, have some. And then it's like, oh, I just, I feel really bad right now. Yeah. Cause that kind of not so much fog comes back, but just the intestinal discomfort. Right. Yeah. And even this morning I woke up and I could tell like I was more bloated than normal. And I was like, I, okay. And um, I'm sure it'll be gone tomorrow, but it's it's funny how even like a little bit really your body becomes so sensitive. You know, it's like I, I use the analogy that you have white carpet and as soon as even the littlest bit of dirt or mud comes in, you see it and you know it and it's really hard to clean it out. Um, and I feel like that's what happens when you start eating really healthy is your body just kind of hums along naturally the way it's supposed to all perfectly. And then when you kind of bring in junk food, it's like, what? What is this? Why is there garbage in the middle of the kitchen floor? Yep. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a single mom, which has got all kinds of challenges. And you're, so tell us, I guess, about how, how you're managing that. Cause I know that your ex, the father is not, you know, following the same plant-based diet as you. So kind of tell us how you're approaching parenting and talking to your kid about a plant-based diet and sort of making it work with, another parent who doesn't follow the same style of life? Well, it it's progress, not perfection. I love your saying and it, it really holds true to kind of my situation because when he is at his father's, when my son is at his dad's, um, which is about four days out of the month. So it's not too often, you know, he'll eat, you know, whatever he eats, which is usually things like it used to be yogurt, maybe ice cream, chicken nuggets, turkey meatballs, that type of stuff. And what I noticed um, after going completely plant-based is then my son would come home and he would have a, a, a tummy bug or he would be sick. So it was just a matter of communicating, you know, with my ex. And it's good to you know have the open communication. That right. Although I don't expect him to be an herbivore or vegan at his house, you know, how about decrease the dairy or how about decrease this processed food or what exactly did he eat? You know, let's pinpoint as a team Mm -hmm. what, what happened. Um, and so that has been really helpful. So because of that, you know, um, the dad really has been really good about decreasing the dairy and a lot of the processed stuff, even if they go to, let's say a birthday party. Cause one's like, Oh, well he was pretty good. But then he went to birthday party and let's say maybe had ice cream. Mm -hmm. So now he's being really good about being more consistent about that. So since that, I've had a lot less issues. But um, when we're here at home, he's my son and I are eating completely plant-based. 
Um, so when he's with me, plant-based. When I pack him a lunch, it's completely plant-based. But when he's, let's say, at summer camp, you know, he, he eats what he wants to eat. Um, and luckily he knows that dairy makes him sick. And he's never actually been a cheese kid anyway, which has been really, really great. Um, but he's so proud that I'm an herbivore. Aww. Really healthy. Um, and he's super healthy too. So he says, well, mom, I'm, you know, I'm like vegan 90% of the time. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah. So he's old enough to be humorous about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I've known kind of how I was raised food was push, push, pushed, like clean your plate if you want dessert, clean your plate this and clean your plate that. So I'm really just trying to be positive and encouraging him to eat the right way. Mm-hmm. Eat something that's not herbivore when I'm not around, you know, so be it. He's old enough that, you know, at this point he can make those decisions and I don't want to make eating stressful for him. Right. Which is, I feel very important. Right, right, right. So I just want to make it a, a positive experience. But because of that, you know, when we're at home, he loves chickpeas are his favorite. And a whole grain like barley or brown rice, he loves the easy uh, marinara and the parm. The nut parm. Oh, yeah. Parm. It's he so good. Everything. Oh, yeah. Because, again, you know, so we don't do oil. I want to make sure he gets more caloric intake. So even though I don't consume a lot of nuts, um... With that parm, you know, there's no worries. <laughs> right. And with kids, too, you know, they do need a little bit more fat than adults do, especially right. as they're growing and things like that. So that's a really good choice, actually, for him, especially if he really likes it, because it's like you said, it's more calories, which kids usually need because they're just so active and their bodies are growing. Um, and, you know, they have tiny tummies, so they can get filled up really fast on vegetables. So that is that's a really great tip. I'm going to give that to a lot of other parents who are like, I don't know how to get my kid to eat and they won't eat avocados or uh, Avocados with chocolate to make a mousse is another one thing that I recommend to a lot of parents. And so you work with kids too. In addition to being a single mom, you work with kids. And one thing I have noticed is, well, one, we know just statistically that there are become more and more children who are overweight and obese. But one thing that's also been on the rise is all kinds of things like attention deficit disorder. And even I, I live near a school and I've noticed that kids really seem to... Um, crash like they have sugar crashes even when they're really young Mm -hmm. and um I I guess I was wondering if you ever see that like do you notice that there's been a change with children in general or are you seeing like sort of these not health crises but health issues that we see in adults starting to crop up in kids too because you know there's so much garbage in the diet now there there is but I guess the area that I'm working right now the parents are pretty good about packing healthy lunches versus, let's say, 10 years ago, they were packing a lot of junk food and chips and, and Lunchables and sweets in their lunches. And so I have noticed the children lately have been able to focus a lot more than my classes I had, let's say, 10 years ago. That's great. Um, and I think there's a lot more education out there for parents. and. It used to be when we tried to tell them, ask the parents, encourage them to limit the sugar, don't bring candy. We got some pushback, let's say, 10 years ago. Now it's like, it's rare that even a cookie shows up. Oh, that's great. That's I really know. great. So that's, that's wonderful. Really and the the snack menu, I'm really proud of. We provide a morning and afternoon snack. Um, you know, we use whole grains. It's, it's low sugar, so there aren't, you know, syrups or there's no juices. Um, and I've 
try to incorporate a lot of the happy airport type philosophy into the snack menu as well. So one of the snacks now for the afternoons is, is brown rice and bean salad. Oh, that's awesome. Which, you know, they would have never found them to do that 10 years. Right. No. Yeah. They're warming up to it. Oh, and today was, um, some of the children have allergies to chickpeas. So I found this great, um, non-fat bean dip uh, with pinto beans. So it's like a refried beans. And they use that as a dip for um, for vegetables, for tortilla chips, etc. Oh, because they can't have hummus because of the chickpeas. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. Of, yeah. That tends to crop up now and again um, with chickpea allergies, I've noticed. That's it's interesting. Common. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing. Um, it's funny you said things like Lunchables because when I was in school, and well, I guess this was probably 15 to 20 years ago, but that's what it was. Is like I remember everyone had Pop Tarts and Toaster Strudels for breakfast, and they had some kind of a Lunchable for lunch. And there was all different kinds of Lunchables, but it was a Lunchable for lunch. And then I'm I don't know what they went and had home for dinner because I only saw them at school. And I really think, like, and I've talked to my mom about this and a lot of my friends' parents, but they really thought that they were actually giving us healthy options. Like, they really thought they were doing the right thing, which, of course, marketing told them they were. But, um, and my mom's like, I don't know how I ever thought giving you some, like, sugary Pop-Tart with, like, not even, like, real fruit really in it. I don't know why I thought that was healthy, but she's like, but I was so snowed. And so um, it's so nice to know and hear that there are these, you know, education coming out, because that's a lot of times. I'll hear parents say, I had no idea that I shouldn't be feeding my kid Lucky Charms because it says it's seven whole grains on the box. And they're like, and after I talk to them, they're like, oh, duh, of course, marshmallows for breakfast aren't a good thing. But they're too busy going, it's whole grain. It's whole grain. Yeah. And that was a lot of the marketing and the lunches, again, I saw many years ago, just a lot of Capri Suns. Oh, yeah. that Everyone had Capri Suns. For your kids. It's like, oh, the horror. And now it's, you know, I see a lot of quinoa and sweet potatoes and whole berries and oh, that's amazing. tofu and yeah, so it's, it's really great. And all the parents listening, see kids do eat these things. <laughs> that was my favorite thing. I spent the fall in Asia and I loved watching all of the children over there just like going at tofu with chopsticks. And I was like, see, kids eat tofu. <laughs> Tofu's great. I love tofu. So one thing... Uh, you touched on a little bit more uh, earlier and when you were saying you'd mostly kept off your weight. And I know this from our previous conversation that you've sort of um, had a 10 pound issue, which you recently realized you think you might be overeating uh, because of our podcast on overeating. I thought maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that and how even though you can eat perfectly and really healthy, you know, really healthy choices, you can still eat too much. Yeah, I think. I had kind of an aha from listening to the podcast because I think I fall into kind of the mindless eating mm-hmm. or, oh, I want to procrastinate this, whatever I have to do. So maybe I'll just keep putting my, my hand in this bag of fruit or whatever I'm eating. And even though, you know, it's in line with, you know, whole foods, plant-based diet, I might eat the whole bag. Mm-hmm. Or crunchy things are also a kind of a trigger for me. Okay, well these th- this cracker has you know really little fat and it's on board, but it just I just will keep eating it and eating it. And mm-hmm. so I'm also starting to 
really identify what those trigger foods are and maybe not have them in the house or around me at work. That's really important. I can't stress that enough of knowing that about yourself because we all have different things that can trigger us. We all, and it, it's not necessarily an unhealthy thing. Like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, say, you know, chocolate covered almonds or something. It, it can be, or candy. You know, it could be, like you said, a whole grain cracker that's perfectly fine. Everyone needs to know what it is that they can't stop eating. Me, of all things, it's baby carrots. Once I get into a baby carrot, I will eat the whole bag. I don't know what it is about baby carrots but I just like have to once I start even if it's like okay I'm gonna have 10 with some hummus I I eat the whole bag every single time Mm -hmm. and and baby carrots are exceptionally healthy but for some reason I just don't seem to have a very healthy relationship with them because I don't do that with snap peas I don't do it with bell pepper slices don't do it with apples I don't Mm -hmm. I don't do it with celery or asparagus I don't know. And I do it with certain foods. And what was great about the podcast is thinking, okay, am I hungry right now? Mm-hmm. If, if I'm hungry, you know, sure, eat. But if I'm not hungry, even though this whatever looks good or I'm bored or I just need to fill some time, like, do I really need to eat this whatever right now? And really identifying better those signs of hunger. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also uh, just making sure, well, like you said, you're not bored making sure you're not thirsty or you're not trying to eat your emotions, which I actually have realized I've tried, I've tried to do that. Like I was having a bad day. And so I was like, I want to go have cake. And it's like, okay, you know, cake really isn't going to turn this bad day around. I mean, it might momentarily as I'm eating it, but I know it's just short term. And so that's really been something like, am I going to go eat my emotions right now? I think I am. And it's like, I can't eat them. I can, I can't, you just can't eat them down. It's, there's no way to suppress your emotions with food. You just have to deal with them. Right. Especially with when the emotions come, I just need to make sure there's no dark chocolate around. Yeah. And that's important too. I don't keep chocolate in the house because I will just keep eating it. Um, it's a nibble here, nibble there. I'm not the kind of person that as soon as I have it, I eat the whole bar or anything, but I, it, I'm like you, if there's dark chocolate around and I'm having a bad day, it's the first thing I'm like, it's like a beacon. Hey, dark chocolate uh-huh. <laughs> over here. You yep. like it. <laughs> uh, and I don't have peanut butter in the house because my husband can't. That's his thing. He just... If it's in the house, it'll be gone in a week because he'll eat the whole jar. He's like, I have no idea how I did that. I have no memory. Yeah, peanut butter is delicious. And cereal is another one for us. We would just stop and get handfuls of it, and then we'd eat another handful of it and another. And so it's like, okay, cereal is something else in the snuff for us. But I know plenty of people who keep cereal in their house and have no problem. Yeah, and what's a little bit challenging, let's say, about chocolate or nut butters is for me they're so delicious oh, and yeah not have them in the house but that's something good the nut butters in particular for my son to have and right so that I just need to really be mindful you know of, of of how I'm using it and that's I think a lot of things you know especially moms are faced with because they buy these things for their children and so they're in the house. So it's not like, oh, I can't live in a house with no chips because my children, you know, will go crazy. They just have to have them or my husband or something. Um, and so one of the things I've been telling our members recently is if you have to have any kind of junk food in the house or something that is a trigger food for you or you don't have control of, to sequester it into one designated area and don't go there. You know, your children can go there all they want, knock themselves out. If that's where the Fruit Loops are, so be it. But um, you just don't go there. And some clients have even gone to the point where they put a child lock on the cabinet to keep themselves out. 
because their kids are all old enough to use that they can use the child lock with their hand but it's just to you know to have another barrier yeah that's a good idea and so yeah and it works my kitchen that I can do that right yeah and I mean um one of my assistants, she's shorter, so I, I joke, like, um, because she's short, that she should put all the junk in the cabinet that she can't reach uh, without climbing up on something. You know, just to, like, you force these pauses um, in your in, in your life. And wh- one thing that I do is I always have to portion my food into a bowl, and then I walk away. Because if I just sit there with the bag, my hand will just keep going in it. But if I, and I love to tell, it's again, baby carrots. I love to tell a story that I grabbed a bag of baby carrots from the fridge because I was hungry and I wanted a quick snack while I was checking my email and I'm emailing blah, blah, blah. And I like stick my hand back in the bag and I'm like feeling around on my desk reading this email, like where are the baby carrots? And I was like, oh my God, I ate them all and I don't even remember it. So ever since then, now I put my snack in a bowl and put the rest away. Um, Yeah, that's. that's really helpful. That's that's what I do, and that helps a lot. Oh, I'm glad to hear that works for you, too, because I really do think it's a very simple thing that everyone can implement, no matter what it is they're eating, just to put it in, if it's a snack or something that maybe, and like popcorn's the same way. If I eat it out of the bag, I'll eat the whole bag of popcorn, but it's amazing if I just put it in a bowl and save the rest of the popcorn for another time, like maybe the next day. As soon as I'm done with the bowl, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I don't, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you are a really big, you're really big on the internet into being, you know, in an internet community, you're a big part of Tumblr and you do a lot of like sort of, I, do they call it blogging on Tumblr or is it microblogging? I'm always so... I'm, they, they do. They, they call it either blogging or, or, or tumbling. Tumblr oh, tum- is, I, I'm not good with all the technical Tumbling is, is, is the cute word for your oh, Tumblr. Oh, okay. Well, I like the cute word tumbling. So you're a big tumbler and you tumble a lot. I don't know if I'm using these <laughs> words right. But one thing you've noticed on in the Tumblr community specifically is that there's a ton of stuff still going on with fad diets. And you've had a lot of experience with that since, like you said, you've been diet or you started dieting when you were 10 with Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it almost makes me sad that there's still so much going on with the fad diets. And I, I guess I wanted to hear your observations and also what maybe recommendations you have for someone who is struggling with the fad dieting and yo-yoing and all that kind of unpleasant stuff that I, I know you've struggled with personally. Yeah, you know, what I notice on on Tumblr is there is a whole component of, of plant-based blogs, also vegan blogs, but also, you know, fitness blogs and, and some of those bloggers might do paleo or keto or Atkins and I don't know what most of these are, so then I have to Google like, what are they trying to, what diet are they on now? <laughs> it it comes back to, unfortunately, restricting a lot of foods that are really good for you, like the whole starches, or wheat, or you know, and and bulk up on some of the proteins, and sometimes bulk up on um, a whole bunch of protein fats, animal fats. Sorry, animal fats. Um, and and I'm over here thinking, wow, I've lost all this weight. I've pretty much kept you know most of it off. I feel great, and so I just try to be really positive through through my blog um, about my story and other people's stories. I like to highlight pictures of beautiful plant-based food, just to be positive and say you know you can do this the plant-based way it's not a gimmick it's not something that you just try it's not you don't limit I don't ever feel limited by being plant-based I feel 
Like my world is much more open food wise than it ever has been. Um, and everyone says that on the podcast. Literally, everyone's like, "I eat such a wider variety now. I never feel in, like limited. My life's all about abundance now." Yeah, and I actually grew up as as a foodie, if you will. Both my parents cooked. My my dad, you know, always had Bon Appetit and Gourmet Magazine in the house. Um, and so I was exposed to a wide range of foods, but I just feel that now I I eat a lot more. And, and things that just make me feel really, really good. Um, let's see. What advice, I guess, yeah, I'm like, hmm. That's one uh, of those pauses, sorry. No, it's okay. You made such a good point that I was thinking about it. Um, it's, I, I'll fix it and then post edit. Um, so there are a lot of people who you know, struggle and they do things like Weight Watchers and it doesn't work for them. And, and and like you said, and that's the thing about a lot of these restrictive diets is you can't do them forever. And that's why when I talk about the plant-based diet, I almost hate to say the word diet because it isn't this short-term thing. It's, you know, it, it's a total shift. You do it forever. It's not like, oh, I just, I'm going to do this for two weeks and fit in these jeans and then, you know, hope it stays off because that's not how it works. And anyone who's yo-yoed knows, okay, it, it works to restrict yourself for, you know, maybe two weeks, maybe a full month, but eventually you're like, I can't just live on chicken and broccoli. And, uh, and people don't. And it's funny because I have friends who are like obsessed with paleo, but then they're constantly cheating. Like they all say, oh, it's my cheat day or, oh, I'm cheating with this. And I'm like, I don't ever feel the need to cheat on my lifestyle. You know, and that's something I hear a lot too with some of the other Tumblr vlogs is, oh, it's my off day. It's my cheat day. It's like, huh? <laughs> really? Okay. It's like, how sustainable is it if you can't do it? Exactly. Exactly. So do you have any advice for... Like, I know you lead by example, which is something I always preach, is to lead by example. And you do that with your son, too, which is amazing. But do you have any other advice for someone who might be struggling, like, if that, a way that they can change their mindset the way you did? Um, you know, I think something that's been super, super helpful is there's just a wealth of resources right now. Um, besides all of your books, oh, I love the the Guide to Plant-Based Living. Love it. Oh, thanks. Love it. So the paperback will be here in a few months. I'm really excited. Oh, great, great. I mean, that's been super helpful. Um, and just to reach out to all of the resources, there's a lot online. Um, I One of my favorites is nutritionfacts.org. Oh my gosh, I love Dr. Gregor. I need to have him on the podcast, but yes, he's that amazing. That would be awesome. I know he's I know. so he's so fun in person. He's really tall. Yeah, I I really enjoy all of his videos and reading that information. You, you really need to reach out to the wealth of information out there. Um, something I actually hadn't brought up, but while I was married, I tried to go vegan, and that lasted for about a week. Really, I had no idea about this because my. I didn't have any resources. One, I just thought, you know what? I'm tired of killing animals. I want to be vegan. <laughs> and so my my husband at the time wasn't really supportive. I didn't have any resources at all. And I was, you know, kind of struggling through it. And he said, you know what? This is just too hard. Just stop. And I'm like, fine. You know, well, whatever. So moved on to what I was doing before. And when, again, my stepmom gave me your your second book, that just kind of opened my eyes to all the resources that were out there. And even 
blogging sites like Tumblr, you put, you search the tagline vegan or vegan health, you're going to get a wealth of information. Oh, yeah. It's, it's such a, the internet is such an amazing resource now. Because when I started Happy Herbivore in 2006, I think there were 11 vegan blogs. Mm-hmm. including my own 11 and mm-hmm. now there are hundreds and hundreds and th- thousands there's probably it's, it's got to be in the thousands by now and um and we it when i started there wasn't twitter or instagram which are other great things because you can just do hashtags you know like plant-based or something and it'll just pop up t- tons of other people that you can meet or interact with or make a friend and Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. Yeah, it's there's so much more information out there. That was why I started Happy Herbivore because there wasn't, when I went plant-based, there was no information except for McDougal's website, which is also great. Dr. McDougal has a wealth of free information and videos. But I do, yeah, I do love nutritionfacts.org because Dr. Greger covers all of the science, but he explains it to you in a way you understand so you don't need to be a doctor like him to get it. He really breaks it down, but then you understand. And I feel like you said having that education makes it easier for you to stay consistent. Mm -hmm. And also films um, have been a really great resource, like Forks Over Knives. So if you want to know more Mm -hmm. about health, the Forks Over Knives. But then after I was plant-based for, gosh, maybe a couple years, like, you know, I should finally watch Earthlings. And... I know you talked about it a little bit in one of your other podcasts, but I, I kind of feel if people wonder, oh, I'm on plant-based, I know it's for my health, and I've had all these resources, I mean, after watching Earthlings in particular, I would never have any doubt in my mind to ever go back. So that, of course, is you know how they treat the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's a good video to really show you what's happening to the animals on the farms. And it's a it's a good documentary if you're interested in animal rights or like what's happening. I don't know that it's a good first movie, but I definitely yeah, I do agree with you that after a while, if you are wanting to know more about that particular aspect, it can be very eye opening in ways you have no idea. Warned the community the the vegan type community um, and you've had your feet wet for a while it would definitely not be a good first video. It, it's one of those things that really, gosh, it's been a while since I've seen it, really sticks sticks with you. Right, it's just, it's it's very graphic, I guess you yeah. could say, but. Um, it is. Yeah, and, but it, it's, it's important, I think, to still know those things. It's just one more thing, actually, this is what I was talking about with Jane Bauer today, is there's so many different reasons to adopt a plant-based diet or a vegan diet. You know, there's your health, of course, but there's the environment and there's the animal welfare and there's the humanitarian, you know, aspect. A lot of people don't realize that the people who are employed on these animal farms are treated almost, if not as bad as the animals and they're illegal immigrants being paid horribly. When they get hurt, there's, there's no medical attention for them. I mean, they get deported, it's really awful. And even just world hunger, you know, or how we could cut 70% of our healthcare costs in the United States if people adopted a plant-based diet. There's so many reasons. And there are films that address every one of these things I've just mentioned and about a hundred more. Yeah. And so those have been more and more over the years and really good films too. Mm-hmm. Food, Food Inc. Um, and that definitely isn't a vegan film at any means because they actually talk about ways, better ways that you can eat meat. But it really talks about farming and who's you know attending to all these and it it was very eye-opening as well i saw that after i had already been plant-based for a few months and was like i'm so glad i'm plant-based but um same with fast food nation i saw that afterwards and i 
thought that was a great. And again, it's another one that's not necessarily a oh, vegan movie. King Corn is probably my favorite documentary, and it is not. It doesn't have a vegan agenda by any means, but it's all about corn and um, the what happens to corn and how it became in all of our food and how if you like take a sample of most of our hair, they'll find like high fructose corn syrup stuff in it and. Um, and like what it does, like how they're feeding it to animals and why that's not good. And so, I mean, but yeah, like you said, there's so many different documentaries out there for whatever your interest is. And I find it's an ev- like it's an evolution. It's a journey. You might have come to a plant-based diet because you wanted to lose weight and then you realize there's a thousand other benefits. Right. So it's just reach out to all the resources because there's a lot out there now. It's a, it's a really great time to eat healthy. <laughs> And I guess to circle back to your, you know, being a single mom or just a mom in general, are there any tips or advice you can give to other parents? Because I know it can be very hard to get kids to transition to a plant-based diet or even be open to it, especially if they previously sort of ate the Lunchable, McDonald's, Happy Meal kind of diet. Do you have any advice for moms and how to get their kids to try more vegetables or beans and stuff like that? Um have them always try a small amount like my my son sometimes I prepare completely different meals for myself and them for my son but I will give them a taste I said I just want you to taste what I'm eating mm-hmm. and you know just make it positive um he's a lot more picky about vegetables than he is with fruit let's say and someone gave me advice a long time ago and I always remember this is children aren't necessarily going to eat a balanced meal or even have a balanced day, but if they have a balanced week, then it's good enough. Oh, that's really a great point. And I, I notice that like there are some days he'll eat a lot more vegetables, and sometimes he'll eat a lot of fruit, and some days he just wants to eat grain and beans, but as long as it's a good week, and he's in good health, and he's actually, his doctor calls him Mr. Perfect. Oh, <laughs> you know? well that must make you feel real good as a mom. It does, it so does. Um, but as long as, you know the pediatrician is fine then then you're good right hitting all those benchmarks and that's one thing that's really interesting is a lot of members have messaged me and said since they went plant-based not only have their kids not gotten like sore throats or stuffy nose which there's dairy allergy has so many manifestations that you just I think don't notice and most kids I think really have it but they don't know because they don't know that their rash is from dairy um or they're getting ear infections all the time because it's from dairy. But yeah, a lot of them say that their kids, they're, they're, they improve so much, their pediatricians are like, what's going on? Like, yeah, this he, is amazing. He, he rarely, if ever, gets sick. And if he gets sick, it's it's like a minor cold. And he recovers quickly. And he recovers quickly. Yeah. Which is amazing because kids are, they you know, they want to be outside playing. They don't want to be sick. Neither, neither do adults. But that's one thing I've noticed, too, is I almost never get sick. And when I do, it's like within a day, I'm over it. Yeah, same thing for me, too. That's been one of the the glory things, too, about being plant-based is, you know, working with young children. Mm -hmm. We're really great with our health practices, but you're working with really little kids. You're going to get sick, Um, and I pretty much never get sick, or if I do, like you said, it's a cold, and I recover in a day. And like you said, you're around children all the time, and anyone who knows, you know, anyone working with kids is (laughs) is. Uh, you're just exposed to so many more germs no matter how many great practices you are with washing your hands and everything Mm -hmm. you have like super immunity yes I feel great yeah (laughs) everyone around me is getting sick I'm like come on be plant-based yeah that that's I didn't notice that right away it was one of those things that I realized years later when I was like at a routine physical and my doctor's like I 
I can't, I have no record of you ever being sick. And I was like, hmm, yeah, no. And I used to get the kind of cold that would take you out for like two weeks. Yep. And I just don't get that anymore, which is really nice. And I, I was the same at the time I was a swim instructor. And so I was in the pool with children all day and um, nothing. Oh, good. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, kale is awesome. I love the kale. Kale is magical. It is. I Every time I have to go without it for a period because it's sold out at the grocery store, I'm like. <laughs> I know. We're going plant-based. I never ate kale. Yeah. And now I can't get enough. Kale and nutritional yeast. Um, oh, oh yes. Nutritional yeast. Oh, so good. Yeah. The kale thing is funny. And so I can actually remember when I was a kid, there was like a little garnish of kale on my plate. I don't know if you remember back in like the 80s and 90s, they used to put like a little green garnish on plates. Yep. And um, I would always eat it. And my mom's like, you're not supposed to eat that. (laughs) And now kale's like, you know, this big thing. But my favorite story other than when I ate it as a child and my mom thought it was strange was... um, I bought like seven or eight bushels because we just eat a lot. I mean, there, there there's a lot of mouths. We eat a lot of kale. And the, <laughs> the person at the grocery store asked me if I was a caterer. And it made me realize for the first time at all like banquet catering functions, they put the kale down to put other food on top of it. Yep. <laughs> so it was like this funny thing. I'm like, oh, kale has really been in my life all my life. It's always just been like a napkin. <laughs> Yeah, I heard a statistic a while ago that I guess Sizzler, the restaurant train Sizzler, used to be the biggest buyer of kale, something like that, because they would put it down in their salad bars. Oh, like as like a tablecloth almost. As a decoration. Yeah. Like Hilarious. Put it on, you know, put all their, their foods on, all their meats and whatnot on the plate to make it look prettier. So funny. I know. See, it was the little garnish that I ate as a kid. It was the healthy part. <laughs> Well, it has been so fun having you on the podcast, Rebecca. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Is there any way we can follow you on your Tumblr? Oh, gosh. Yes. Um, so you can find me on Tumblr by just searching for Bex Maddie, B-E-X-M-A-D-D-Y. I believe it's bexmaddie.tumblr.com. And yeah, you can follow me that way. Great. Where it's a fun, fun community. Yeah, we'll have to look at all your fun pictures and... Keep leading by example. You can maybe inspire some of our listeners. That would be awesome. Well, thanks again, Rebecca, and thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to learn more about the meal plans, visit getmealplans.com. This is Lindsay S. Nixon and the Meal Mentor Podcast.